Paul is specifically asking them to pray that he may God may rescue him from the unbelievers in Judea whom Paul uh, knew were going to oppose him and that his service to the poor in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there. This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted him. God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat the Bible? All of us are sinners, saved only by grace. For worship, we were created, and for worship, we should ever live. Jesus died for our sins, and so now that we have put our faith in him, he takes away our sins, he covers under his righteousness. Hello and good morning, my dear friends. It's my joy to be here once again uh, to share the word of God as it has been presented to us by those who first heard it and those who heard from them and who then determined to take the gospel to the ends of the earth uh, in, uh, in, in, in which process the gospel came to us here and now it has become our responsibility uh, to carry the torch uh, of the gospel to the, uh, to the remaining parts of the world that are yet to be evangelized. And I want to welcome you this morning to join this struggle, in this endeavor, in this mission uh, to, to take this gospel to every, every land on earth, every place and share it with every ethnic uh, group of people that this gospel may reach everybody. That is a plan of God, that is his desire. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for giving us yet another day and another uh, occasion and opportunity to share the word and to hear, to hear it. You were concerned and you're still concerned about the welfare of people. And uh, I pray, Father, that we too, who hear this gospel message and believe in it, will be equally concerned with the welfare of others, both spiritually and uh, socially. Uh, guide us now as we present this message that we shall be faithful uh, to the word as it is written. And this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our loving Savior. Amen. Amen. So we are coming closer and closer to the end of the, our study of the book of Romans. And today we are going to read the last chapter, verses of, the, uh, of chapter 15. And after that we shall be left with the chapter 16 to, to tackle. So our reading this morning is... Uh, Romans 15, uh, verses 22 to 33. Romans 15, verses 22 to 33. And here's what the word of God says. Paul ends uh, his last uh, statement, his last uh, you know, message by saying, this is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. Uh, then he proceeds, verse 23, but how, but now, that, that there is no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I have been longing for many years to see you, 
I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there. After I have enjoyed your company for a while, um, I beg your pardon, there is a fuss up there. Let me read this again, verse 24. I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let's um, try and break down uh, Paul's message as we have read it. Now, in these verses, Paul confirms some of what we said last Sunday, uh, particularly that um, Paul saw himself basically as an evangelist and his work as proclaiming the gospel everywhere. I mean, where it has not been preached before. Uh, leaving others like Apollos to disciple the new converts. However, in the same verses, Paul fully understands that, I mean, human needs. He well understands the most basic human need, for instance, is the need for food and sustenance. Jesus demonstrated this understanding himself by feeding the hungry and healing the sick and doing other activities to help those who could not help themselves. I trust that those who are, who are students of management will have come across something almost similar uh, in what is called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, this was a, a teaching that um, occurred in the last century by this man called Abraham um, Maslow. And his thesis was that uh, human needs are arranged in a kind of a hierarchy 
starting with the most basic and going upward to the peak of what he calls self-actualization. Uh, well, um, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with this um, idea as far as it concerns man's basic food, being food, clothes, shelter, uh, love, and stuff like that. Now, accordingly, our argument and lesson this morning, based on the Bible, I mean, the words we have read, is that our evangelism must go hand in hand with the social responsibility. In other words, as we address people's spiritual needs, we must also be concerned and we must therefore address their social needs, their bodily needs. For that reason, before leaving to take uh, the gospel to faraway Spain, Paul first wants to take some donations. Um, I suppose money or food or other items to the to poor Christians in Jerusalem. So he must suspend his missionary trip to Spain in order to take food and clothes and stuff like that, material needs in other words, to the poor suffering believers in Jerusalem. Now, I have said that uh, today we are talking about evangelism and social responsibility as our calling. Uh, as, and, and that evangelism and social responsibility are partners who cannot be separated, they must go together. And now I want us to look at the biblical basis for what I'm saying, for this partnership. Now, first of all, the first example is from God himself. In God's law, as recorded in the Old Testament, there are various provisions for caring and taking care for the poor and the hungry, the alien, the widow, and the orphan. You will recall the story of uh, Naomi and Ruth, who were terribly devastated by the death of uh, Naomi's husband and his, all his sons, including Ruth's husband, leaving them poor and destitute, totally helpless. But the law, of when, when they came back to their home, the law of God, I mean God's law, a part of God's law that provides that requires that we, uh, that we care for the needy and for the orphans and uh, widows um, came into parishion. And Naomi and Ruth were helped, first of all, to get food, and then finally, you know, to settle down um, with provisions coming from well-wishers, from the family, 
their inheritance was also restored to them. And because that is what the law of God required. Secondly, God in his word and also in the law denounces oppression and tyranny and calls for justice. He calls his people to be the voice of the voiceless and defender of the powerless. In this regard, God's greatest commands are this, and this is from the word of Jesus himself, that we love God with all our being, and secondly, we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. This is what we are talking about, my friends. This is what true worship is all about. It is not just singing hymns and raising our hands. It is not just going to church or making um, donations there, or paying tithes. Now, James says that faith and our good deeds must go together. And faith without good deeds, without works, is dead. It is absolutely useless. Thirdly, we learn from Jesus himself that actually evangelism and social responsibility must operate as a pair, as partners, inseparable partners. So um, I said that, but it's, it's actually second. The second reason for keeping evangelism and uh, social concern together is the ministry and the teaching of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus came to proclaim the coming of the kingdom of God. That was, that, those were his first words when he started uh, his public ministry, that he pronounced that the kingdom of God is at hand. Elsewhere we are told that he came to seek and to save the lost. But it is also true that, the, that, that Jesus demonstrated the, the, the arrival of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God by his works of power and compassion. The Gospels tell us that uh, Jesus went from place to place with great crowds following him. And Jesus taught them the word of God, first and foremost, but he also healed their sick. He cast out demons. He fed the hungry and raised the dead. And he showed great kindness, great compassion to needy and poor and the weak. He brought into the center those who had been rejected and marginalized, including lepers, for instance. And in his teaching, Jesus often used parables which demonstrated his love and his compassion. There is a story of the prodigal son, for instance. In spite of his rebellion and wistfulness, when the prodigal son came to his senses and decided to go back to his family, well, you know, one would think that the, 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 nobody wants to see him. 
Well, his older brother, of course, uh, wasn't too um, impressed. But his father, his parents, received him with joy and, 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 and started a feast to celebrate the coming of the one that they had thought was lost and even dead. That is compassion. That is love. That is in accordance with the kingdom of heaven and the teachings of, of, of the word of God. And then there was the good Samaritan. Now we know from, from, from um, what is written in the Bible that, that the, 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 the hatred that existed between the Jews and the Samaritans, which is the reason why Jesus was teaching this, um, this, this, message, this parable. So the, the, the good Samaritan saved the life of a Jew who had been attacked and, 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 and beaten uh, terribly by robbers and left by the side of the road to die. Uh, and the priests and the Levites came and bypassed that man. The Levites and the, Levites, uh, the priests, of course, were Jews. They wouldn't help their fellow Jew. But then came along the same road a Samaritan. And he had pity and compassion on the injured person. And he wouldn't leave him there to die. But he took him to a place where he could be taken care of at the Samaritan's own cost. Now, so what does this show? Compassion, human compassion. Human compassion uh, is really basic to, to, to our human nature and, uh, and human uh, personality. So um, let's look then at those. So we've had the example from God. We have had the, the example from Jesus Christ to, that dem to demonstrate that evangelism and social action or uh, social concern are partners that cannot be separated. So the, that example is the early church in the book of Acts of Apostles, um, particularly chapter 2 and chapter 4. Now, in chapter 2, we are told that they, after the resurrection, after the day of Pentecost, the church started meeting together and they were sharing everything in common. Um, sharing the word of God and sharing the, I mean, provisions and material uh, goods uh, together. So we are told that they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they give to anyone as he had needs. Now, uh, let's see how this one progresses. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the gospel message, and to the fellowship itself being, being together, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we are told that they, they, they met every day in the temple courts, and they together shared every, in, in their homes, and they continued the fellowship there. And they were of one heart and one mind. Nobody ever claimed that these possessions are mine. Um, now, this is not socialism. 
It is not communism as some people pro I mean, suppose. This is a demonstration of the love of God for all people and his desire that every, all people, irrespective of their ethnic origins or racial origins may, uh, and gender or all those other considerations may be one in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the glue that binds that, that, uh, all people together in spite of their various um, differences. Now, chapter 4 of Acts also says about the same words, but it has this uh, outstanding verse when it says, there were no needy persons among them. The situation and the circumstance, the circumstance is what we have described from chapter 2 of Acts. But in chapter 4, uh, the writer goes inside the fellowship and he says, in this fellowship, there were no needy persons. My friends, talk about paradise. These men and these women, after hearing the word of God, they determined to make uh, life to be heaven here on earth. They were having their small heaven in that fellowship. And it is not that everyone was rich. Why, why is it that there were no needy persons? It is not that everybody there was rich. Not at all. Now, for the time, from time to time we are told, from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had. Those who were blessed by God to possess properties, houses, land, and other properties, once they became Christian, they never took their possessions as their own exclusively, but they sold what they had and brought the proceeds to the fellowship and it was distributed to each ad as he had need. There was no wastage, there was no extravagance. Remember the story of Exodus? The Jews were told to collect uh, their daily uh, share of food, portions of food, according to the size of their families, as they had need. And the same principle applies here as well. They were given um, the money and what was donated was distributed to each person according to their need. So those who had smaller families had a little less you know, food. Those who had uh, larger families got more, I mean, a bigger share and bigger portions. Isn't that uh, wonderful? Isn't that um, according to God's justice? Absolutely. Now, Paul was not a part of this fellowship. In fact, he was an enemy of this fellowship. As we know that in his earlier days, he sought to destroy the church and started persecuting Christians, as a result of which um, Stephen was, was murdered. 
And then he went to every church, churches everywhere, arresting Christians and bringing them um, to Jerusalem to be, to be uh, prosecuted. So Paul was not anywhere near the fellowship at Jerusalem. Where did he learn to take provisions to the poor in Jerusalem, um, according to his word in, in, in Romans? Paul, once he became a Christian, and he became a preacher, and he went preaching you know, to those places he had been in his various um, missionary journeys, he well knew. I, think, I believe he was confronted by poverty everywhere. And he came to this realization that uh, there is this partnership between the gospel that addresses itself to the salvation of men or, and the women, but there is also the same, in the same gospel, there is this provision for food and shelter and clothing and medical care and other social needs. Paul is therefore now teaching us about this, uh, this essential part of our gospel message is that human needs are as important to God as they are so, as spiritual needs. Okay, spiritual needs, of course, are the, the ultimate consideration, but uh, we can't preach the gospel and leaving people to starve. Uh, what good is it then to teach people this gospel and then they die out of lack of food or lack of uh, health care? Therefore, in, verse, uh, in chapter 15, verse 26, Paul says that the Christians in, in um, Macedonia and Achaia, uh, this, those are Greek areas, um, had made certain contributions for the poor in Jerusalem. And verse 25, Paul says his trip to Jerusalem to deliver help to the poor in Jerusalem was actually an act of service to the saints there. Um, well, isn't it amazing, my friends? The Greeks were Gentiles, and Gentiles and the Greeks were bitter enemies. And yet, the Macedonians and the Achaeans, once they had believed in Jesus Christ, they began to be transformed into the image of God and to the image of Christ himself. And the compassion of God and the compassion of Christ became theirs too. And so as a sign of gratitude to God for saving them, they made donation, even, even if they themselves were poor people, they were not rich. They give whatever they, uh, they, they had. They give as much. In fact, the says they give more, much more than they could afford in order to help the starving, you know, the, the suffering sins in Jerusalem. We are one body in Christ. We are one in Christ. We are one in the spirit. Praise the Lord, O God Almighty. Let us um, stop this habit of um, associating ourselves to people who are like us ethnically, socially, and, um, and no other uh, such consideration. God wants us all to be one. Uh, we are his children. Now, Paul himself, my friends, was in need. 
of material help for his planned journey to Spain. Verse 24, he says as much in verse 24. So in this planned visit to Rome, uh, Paul hopes that uh, when it comes, you know, to, to, to the believers in Rome, you not only have, you know, time together in fellowship and sharing the word of God, but they, they would provide for his journey to Spain. They would assist him in, 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 in material uh, goods to, for his journey uh, missionary trip uh, to Spain. Now I'm uh, well aware, my dear friends, that in the, in the past, and even perhaps even now, some prominent Christians with um, international uh, you know, ministries have expressed their, their lack of interest in, the minist in, 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 uh, in, in addressing people's social needs. Their interest was just to preach the gospel and hopefully save lives spiritually. But uh, as far as material uh, concerns were, you know, are concerned, they had absolutely no, no interest. Um, but my friends, I want to, to look at this once again. Consider you preach the gospel to people who are already in need. And, 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 and uh, you are in a position to help, even if it is just a little help, but you just don't care. That is not my business. You just preach the gospel and then you go on. Now, somewhere in England, um, many years back, uh, the pastor of a certain church was told that uh, there was a man within his parish who was very sick. And although, although this man was not uh, a believer, he was not a churchgoer, the pastor nevertheless uh, went um, to visit him. But when he, when he came to this man's house, he, he, he realized that they, there was a lot of poverty in this place. But then on the other, on, and the sick man was lying on his bed and when the minister came and said, greeted him, the man wouldn't answer. Instead, he turned his back and faced the wall and gave the minister his back. And the minister tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't respond. So, um, as I said, he, uh, the, so the minister left, and he left with this observation that this man was, uh, there was no food in, this, in this, this man's kitchen. So he must have, be, he must have been hungry in addition to being sick. So when the pastor came next time, he came with some lamb chops and put them in the, in, put them in the man's fridge. And then he came to the man and greeted him, but the man wouldn't say a word. Uh, but the next time he came, the man faced him and turned his back to him. And when he spoke to him, the, the sick man at least smiled. He acknowledged the minister and he smiled. Then the minister had to go on a, on a journey for some time. And when he came back, he was told, oh, uh, that poor man who you've been visiting, he's passed away. Uh, and the minister, of course, was very sad. 
and he went he went back to that house you know made some maybe sense uh, friends or relatives of the man and they gave him a note he told them this man has died but he left a note for you the pastor opened the message and this man says i have gone to be with the lord but it is not because of anything you said to me it is because of the lamb chops amen the pastor had been trying to preach to this man he wouldn't listen but when he showed him love and compassion by leaving food for him this man became a believer and so my friends Paul's final words in this chapter 15 of Romans is to invite all of us to join him in this ministry of evangelism and compassion never try to separate them i believe we have made we have sufficiently made this point clear and convinced all of us that evangelism and uh, social action or social concern must operate as partners uh, and must not try to separate them and specifically Paul says that we may we may pray for him so my friend if there's nothing else we can do to help in furthering the preaching of the gospel um and attending to all those areas we have mentioned of human need at least pray spend time praying for ministers and for those who proclaim the good news Paul is specifically asking them to pray that he may God may rescue him from the unbelievers in Judea whom Paul uh, knew were going to oppose him and that his service to the poor in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there in Jerusalem that is those are the two prayer requests and when uh, finally Paul says that uh, he believes and prays that uh, his visit to Rome would be a blessing both to himself and to the brethren there and um, by way of application i want us to ask us this question therefore my friends there are so many people around us who are poor and needy in uh, the, the statistics tell us that um, about 80% of the world's resources are owned by about 20% of, of of rich and wealthy people what if these men and women were christians i i know i pray in fact i pray that they may be in gratitude to god for blessing them with so much wealth that they may have a compassion for the needy and the poor around us well in this country kenya it, itself majority of the people are poor and that those percentages i think operate here as well uh you know those who are wealthy uh, uh and well to do constitute about 20% of our population and the rest are poor let us build within our budgets within our expenditures let's be a something for for the needy and for the poor for the helpless orphans widows the sick and 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 and, and those who are suffering from one, one one calamity or another so how much my friend are you concerned about such people 
How much are we concerned even for those who have never heard the gospel? There are people who are willing to go even to the very dangerous corners of the earth. Let us make a provision for, for supporting them. Have you ever dreamed, my friend, of a world where there were no needy persons? Can we say that our church, in our churches there were no needy persons? So Paul says pray. Pray for his ministry. Pray for his safety. Pray, pray, pray. My friend, if you are not able to extend any, any other kind of help or assistance to people who preach this gospel or to fellow believers and even non-believers around you, at least pray and pray fervently. And may God hear this blessing, this, this, this prayer, and extend his blessings also to those who have not had the gospel, that they may be saved. Those who are needy, that their, their needs may be met. And that they may be uplifted so that they may live uh, in dignity. That they may live dignified lives as God intended right from the beginning. I praise the Lord for the message that he has given to us. Uh, I pray that we shall respond to it, all of us. Father, thank you for your message. It just tells us that we have, we have so much work to do. It doesn't help to just uh, look at people as they struggle every day with their needs unmet. Help us, oh God, to imitate our own God, our own Father, God, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the early church in Jerusalem, and Paul and all the saints who went out preaching and ministering to the needs of the people everywhere. Let our church come alive because it ministers to living people, not dead people. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our loving Savior. Amen. This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted you. If God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat the Bible? All of us are sinners and saved only by grace. For worship, we were created. And for worship, we should ever live. Jesus died for our sins. And so, now that we have put our faith in him, he takes away our sins, he covers under his righteousness.